Pass First Point Guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single day. Free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you Monday through Friday, so start your days with it. Make your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we have to talk about the Blazers getting stomped by the Toronto Raptors. They played Toronto on Saturday evening at the Moda Center, and they came out flat and got punked. Lost a, another wire-to-wire game at home against a team on the second night of a back-to-back when Portland had a rest advantage. Yuck. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Yuck. But we'll talk about that game, and then we'll forget that game. Because what matters is what's next for this team. I think we have enough data at this point in the season to say that this iteration of the Blazers just isn't that good. And that what matters is what they do next to make the next iteration of the Blazers. So we'll look ahead to the trade deadline. Some reporting from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports about who might be on the move, who is available for the Blazers. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. And then, to close the show, Jeremy Grant was offered his max contract extension on the day he was eligible. He has yet to sign it. We'll talk about his future in, in Portland. We've, we discussed it a little bit, but we'll reiterate it now with some new information come to light. So let's do let's do all of it. Let's do all of it. It's going to be a fun show. Thanks for rocking with me, but we got to do what we got to do. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose. 123-105 on Saturday night to the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, coming into the game, had played the evening before in San Francisco, lost to the Warriors, got on a plane, flew to Portland, where the Blazers had two days of rest, rest advantage, against a team that was 22-28, and a bad team that played the night before on your home court, and you come out so flat and lose the game in the first 12 minutes. The Blazers find themselves down... 37-14 after one. They were 6 of 22 in the opening quarter. The Raptors had 24 points in the paint. The Blazers had 14 total points. Toronto went 12 of 13 in the paint, and it wasn't like they were getting out in transition. They had just two fast break points and three second chance points in the, in the first quarter. They were getting into the getting into the paint however they wanted, finding Precious Sichua, working the baseline, getting to the rim off, getting to the paint off the dribble, and scoring easily. 12 of 13. 12 of 13 inside the painted area for the Raptors in the first quarter. They had 24 points in the paint. The Blazers scored 14 total points. The Raptors had 12 made field goals in the paint. The Blazers made six total field goals. It was a beatdown, an embarrassing start to the game, and Portland did their damnedest to make this competitive. Found themselves down 19 at halftime, 63-44, and then a monster, monster performance in the third quarter, in which they outscored the Raptors 39-25. They had 39 points in that third quarter to, take, to find themselves only down five heading into the fourth. All that good work. Down 88-83 after, th- after three. The Blazers were 15 of 18 from the floor in the third quarter. They just shot the dang lights out. That's 83% if you're scoring at home. They were fantastic. And then when Damian Lillard hit a three-pointer with eight minutes and 41 seconds remaining, the Blazers got as close as they would the entire second half. Find themselves down 90-94, eight minutes and 40 seconds left. All of their good work, now it's like, can they win the final eight and, eight and a half minutes? No, they can't. The Raptors rip off, rip off, rip off excuse me, I couldn't rip that one out, off my mouth. They rip off a 14-0 run to push a four-point advantage to 18, and that's your ball game. Raptors up double digits in the final five minutes, and they cruise in this one, 123-105. That's your fastest recap in the West. The, the fourth quarter was 
frustrating, right? Because the Blazers did all that work, but they lost this game to to begin begin the game. I, I want to draw a distinction here that I think is maybe not important to you, but it's it, it's important. Language is important to me. I talk into a microphone for a small amount of money, so I, if I'm going to get paid to do it, I want to make sure that I'm I'm honest with um, with the words I use. Try to try to use them correctly. I don't think the Blazers' problem was lack of effort in the sense that they were dogging it. Like, I don't think that they were they were intentionally not trying hard. Uh, there were games last year, last season, um, where they were dogging it, where it's like, they didn't play hard in this game. They had no, they didn't have much interest in playing this game, and you could tell by their effort on the court. That hasn't been the case with this team this year. I don't think effort has been an issue with them. Talent has been an issue with them. Focus has been an issue with them. But in, to open the game, it wasn't like, lack of effort in that sense it was just that the other team played with more urgency played harder than them so it wasn't lack of effort in the sense that the Blazers weren't trying hard so they weren't trying hard enough they weren't playing hard enough they weren't the team that brings it that brings the energy and sets the tone they allowed the physicality of the Raptors to set the tone they allowed just the Raptors to to outwork them out outplay them just energy and heart and effort wise in the, to open the game it wasn't that the Blazers were dogging it it's that the other team played with a fire that they didn't match and then they're like oh that's the level we have to play to we'll get there you match you fail to match their energy their effort their sort of um their want to level right like you don't open the game with a level of urgency and then you shoot poorly and the Blazers did to be clear they only made one three and one of eight from three uh six of 22 to open the game like Effort is separate from execution. I think we, we we often equate those two things. If you don't play hard enough, you're going to put yourself in a tough position. You also miss shots while you're not playing hard enough. Yeah, that, that's what it happens. You find yourself down 37-14 after one, and you're scrambling for the rest of the game. And the Blazers were really good in the middle two quarters. Really good. Uh, you know, uh, even if down 19 at the end of after two, like they played much better in the second quarter, and then they just straight up great in the, in the third. But you're down 23 to a team that's flawed. Like they don't have much depth, but they were, you know, they're, they're big and long and they play aggressive. The, their biggest issue is that they struggle with half court offense and the Blazers just gave up easy money in the half court. Let's let precious to do whatever he wanted. And then when the game was on the line, let Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam kind of bring, bring them home. Um, this was a game where yet again, the Blazers did the Blazers let a team that is more physical than them dictate the tone early, found themselves in a huge hole, and then couldn't climb out of it. They did this against Philly, who's a good team. They did this now against Toronto, who's not a very good team. And I thought they did it at times in that, in that loss to Orlando when Orlando was on the second night of a back-to-back. I don't know. There's nothing to defend about this team anymore. There's nothing to defend. This was too many opportunities for them to play the right way. Uh, for me, they've shown it. Like they're they're just it's I'm not like they can't do it and they don't deserve my respect. Like that's not how I feel. Here's how I feel. They play like a bad team too often for me to trick myself into saying they could be good. I, I'm like I'll just I'll be behind on this one. I will wait for them to be good and I will be behind the momentum. I'll be behind the trend because too they too often they look like they did against Toronto, and then you it's like what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to I'm supposed to pump optimism into this microphone that I don't have. Like, no, they. I, we're closing on fi- the 50 game mark, right? Like, <laughs> they played 49 games. This is who they are. They're just not very good. It's fine. 
it's about what they do next. Uh, real quickly, the box score that I didn't read it to you. I don't know if I said it either. That was your fastest recap in the West. Um, it was I was supposed to say that like five minutes ago. Uh, Damian Lillard, 30 points, uh, three assists, four boards. He had uh, three assists and four turnovers. Anthony Simons, 14 points. Jeremy Grant had 26 and eight boards to go with three dimes. The Blazers played this game without uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who missed the game with a calf injury, and without Josh Hart, who missed this game with uh, with a hamstring injury. We'll talk about both of them in the second second. The second segment. The Raptors were shorthanded for their own for for their own part too. Like they they just were. Um, they. We're missing OG Ananobi, who took a gnarly fall early in that Warriors game. Um, he tried to go up for a dunk, got blocks, came down really hard on his left wrist, shoulder area. Stayed in the game to shoot free throws just because if you shoot him, you're allowed to come back if you're okay. He left, went to the back, did not come back, missed this game too. Um, I, it looked bad. Like X rays came back negative on his wrist. He didn't break his wrist, but it looked, it was just a scary fall. Uh, he did not play in this game either. His replacement in the starting lineup, Precious Sachua, gave. Um, yeah, <laughs> gave the Blazers some problems, gave the Blazers some some serious problems. He finished with 27 points and 13 boards. Pascal Siakam had 24, 18, 10, and 7 assists from Scotty Barnes. Uh, 11 points, 9 assists for Fred Van Vliet. And former Blazer great, uh, Jerry, Gary Trent Jr. had 19. Yeah, like both teams were shorthanded. The Blazers were more shorthanded for sure, missing two starters as opposed to one. I think... They. This is my last thoughts on the game, and then we'll just flush this forever and talk about anything else. I think the Blazers' lack of size was really exposed in this game. Uh, Drew Eubanks just. This was not a game where he could play well in. He just. He he got out physical. He got out athleted. Like the things that he sometimes is able to make up for with his quicks and stuff. The the Raptors have too many answers that that gave him problems. Uh, the solution ended up being for the Blazers to go small with inserting Trent and Watford back in in that lineup. But it kind of took them too long to figure that out. And then even then, that was imperfect. It wasn't. It wasn't like a solution that would have won them the game. They might have wanted to go to that earlier, but they just didn't. They didn't get to it. They were struggling too much too early to to start. Um, by the time it was time to experiment, they're already down double digits. Um, and finally, like sure, the the being shorthanded were, is a problem because it exposed a lack of depth. They just don't have other big folks. They don't have enough big other big bodies on the bench to throw in there. Um, the, Abu Baji was out with a with a knee injury, so even if it was going to be the the he was going to be active in this game, he wasn't even available with with a knee issue. But I'll say this: I don't blame the slow starts on the coaching staff. What you think that Chauncey Billups and Scott Brooks and Roy Rogers aren't in there saying, hey, we got to start the game strong. Here's what we want to do. Here's the game plan. Like you think they're not talking to these dudes about, about, hey, let's not have a repeat of some of the bad starts we've had. Coming into this game, the Blazers had the fourth worst, excuse me, sixth worst net rating in the first quarters in the league. They've been a bad first quarter team all year long. After this one, they dropped down to fifth. Uh, their net rating actually dropped two full points per 100 possessions because it got blasted in the first quarter of this game. They, um... Yeah, like they've been bad all year, and I blame the players for that. I don't think that's a coaching thing. Um, your your mileage may vary there. Okay, flush this game. Let's never talk about it again. I already went longer than I wanted to. Let's talk about trades. Josh Hart, Yusuf Nurkic. There's some trade news. Let's talk about it in the second segment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I play Prize Picks on the app, but you can play it on PrizePicks.com or you can download the app right there on your phone. How it works is you're picking between two and five, two and six players, excuse me, on your entry, and you're just picking over or under the lines set by Prize Picks. It's just you versus those projections. 
There's no field. There's no sharks. It's just you versus the numbers. I play basketball, so it's things like points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Prize pick sets the line. I pick above or below that line, and I can win my money. If you go six for six, you can win 25 times your dollars, but you don't have to go six for six. You can uh, control your wager, control control how lucky you're feeling. Say, I'm going to get four out of six right, five out of six right, and set your odds from there. It's, it's super fun to play, and I think you'll enjoy it. So why not go to prizepicks.com right now, and when you're signing up, enter the promo code LOCKEDON and get it up to $100 instantly matched on your first deposit. Put in $100, they'll match $100. Put in $50, they'll match $50. So don't wait. Go take advantage. Sign up today using that promo code LOCKEDON and get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePix Daily Fantasy Made Easy. All right. Let's talk trades. Um, the Blazers are kind of playing basketball like a stubbed toe. You really don't want to stub your toe. You know that that bedpost is always in the same spot every morning when you get up. And yet, you stub your toe on it. You say, why? That's kind of how the Blazers feel right now. They're stubbed. They're very much a stubbed toe. Um, so let's, let's talk um, theoretical basketball improvements as opposed to the actual basketball team right now. Jake Fisher, a intrepid reporter now of Yahoo Sports, wrote a story that came out on Friday, published on Yahoo's website on Friday, that talked about uh, the Blazers' sort of future roster futures. We're going to talk about um, a bunch of stuff that Jake reported in that um, in that story here to close the show. Um, appreciate appreciate you, Jake. Good stuff, um, Jake. A young, a, a really solid young newsbreaker in the game. Uh, Jake reports. Uh, We'll talk about Jeremy Grant to close the show, but first, he said the Blazers are giving other teams, rival teams, the impression that the team is, quote, open to discussing the majority of the players on its roster, particularly Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic. The Josh Hart stuff's been out there. I mean, it's like, if you, I've been speculating that Josh Hart is, like, clearly the most tradable piece and very, very likely to get traded um, since... I don't know, since like the preseason, it's been something that I've mentioned on the show a, a kajillion times. Um, I think now it's sort of catching on nationally that yes, the, indeed the Blazers are like shopping out and seeing what's out there for Josh Hart. Yusuf Nurkic, I think the fan base has speculated a lot about his, him being dealt in, in either like you have to trade Nurk or like you can't trade Nurk depending on uh, sort of which side of the coin you land on. But I think this is the first time in writing we have seen a reporter, particularly from the national level, specifically say use of Nurk. The Blazers are like talking, discussing use of Nurkic trade markets out there with other teams or like trade interest uh, for use of Nurkic with other teams. Uh, I think let's, let's quickly on the Josh Hart stuff. It's like, yeah, I think Hart will end up getting traded, whether it ends up being like a sort of a smaller deal like Caleb Martin in, in Miami or if they end up getting Jay Crowder, just get a little bigger from Phoenix or any such three-team deal that, that nets them like a little more size on the wing. I think that's what they would be after, particularly if that person makes around the same money as Josh Hart and isn't entering free agency this summer so they don't have to pay him so it like kind of works out better for their financial situation this summer because if they had to give someone a raise after acquiring Josh Hart you might as well just keep Josh Hart try to figure out if you can give him a raise um, without bumping up against uh, uh, having a very expensive roster which is which is coming soon the Nurk stuff is more interesting to me because not more interesting I don't know it's the Nurk stuff is also interesting because I have 
while I think a lot of folks have openly speculated about the Blazers could use a like an upgrade at center, certainly a guest I had on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, Mark Schindler, said as much. Like, I would like to see the Blazers with just a different center, and I think it's fair. Nurk isn't bad. He's not a bad basketball player. In fact, I think Nurk has mostly been good this year, I would argue. He's mostly been good. He's inconsistent and frustrating, for sure. Um, mercurial, as some people like to write about him. I think that's the word that often ends up in front of Nurk's name in writing, but he's he's mostly just in inconsistent. I don't think he's been negative, it's, particularly for long stretches. I don't think he's been bad. I think he's mostly, on balance, been a good basketball player this year. The question is, with this roster built the way it is, with a lot of reliance on Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard, is a not super mobile, super athletic, big man, what this team needs to maximize what it wants to do. And given the schemes that Chauncey Billups prefers to play on defense, is Yusuf Nurkic the player best suited to execute, execute those schemes? To Nurk's credit, he's done everything that's been asked of him basically on defense. Um, he has played a ton the when they've when they've played more drop coverage like leaned back into to uh playing that more conservative style of pick and roll defense nurk has done that when they've played zone he's been in the middle of the zone when they've played nurk at the level or nurk chasing um and and uh or showing and then recovering he's played all you know the, the blazers have been pretty scheme versatile they've been very effective but their scheme they've showed a lot of versatility and willingness to do different things on defense this year nurk has done all of them it's not like he's pouted in the past there's been some times where he would um you know, complain about his role a little bit in, in, in post-game media. I don't think he's done that. I think for the most part, when Nurk has played bad, he sat up in, in post-game media and said, I haven't been good. He's, you know, I think he's played well. He's taken responsibility for when he's played poorly. I don't know what else you want from Nurk. The question with trading him is not, for me, really about his effectiveness. It's about his fit in sort of modern playoff level settings and how much money he's owed. That's the question. I think Nurk is a little bit hard to trade. Because he is still owed three years and seven, at $54 million total after this season. So average annual value about 17. It's an NBA contract, so it's typical of NBA contracts. Many, not all. Uh, it scales up. So each year he gets, he's getting a raise. So by the end of his, by the, the final year of his contract, he's making about $20 million. This year he's making about $15.5 million. But let's call it 17 for the average annual value. That's um, maybe just the simplest way to think about it. I don't even think paying Yusuf Nurkic $17 million a year is that big of a ripoff. And quite frankly, I think he's lived up to his contract. I think he's maybe even there's an argument that he's outplayed the money he's been given this year. He, like I said, he's been good. The question is, does another team value a center that is most suited to playing a more traditional conservative defensive style coverage that is increasingly less common in playoff level basketball do they value that for multiple seasons into the future and would what would they be willing to give up for to acquire that type of player my guess just looking across the league is not much I, like I, I just don't think there's like in general a big market for centers period in the league and much less centers with a bunch with several years and money left on their contract. Some team could be willing to take on that that deal because, like, like I said, Nurk's not bad, just imperfect for where the Blazers are, and probably imperfect for a lot of high-level teams looking, you know, moving forward. Doesn't mean that they can't find a suitor. I just think it's it is admittedly challenging, and because of the Blazers' draft pick situation, first-round picks owed lottery picks owed to the 
to the Bulls and protected through 2028. So the Blazers have to make the playoffs this year, convey that pick to the Bulls, and then they'll be have their uh, picks freed back to them or miss the playoffs this year and have a, a draft pick to trade. But they really don't have a draft pick to trade entering the trade deadline unless they unprotect it. They're not good enough to drop the protections on the pick this year right now. That would be a mistake. So they don't, it's not like they have a sweetener. It's not like they have a future first way down the line to trade. Um, it's just... Even then, I think giving up a first-round pick to get off Yusuf Nurkic's contract would be a mistake in and of itself. So what you're looking for, and, and quite frankly, even just like scanning the trade machine, the Fanspo trade machine, uh, the Rembrandt of Fanspo out here, I don't see an obvious suitor. Like I'm having trouble. I, I even sent uh, one of my friends sent me the same message. It's like, I'm, I'm surveying the league and trying to find a landing spot. I don't see one. That doesn't mean that another, another team won't come in and... and be willing to take on the money or be willing to find the trade or whatever it might be. Or if you, you know, if you, how about Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic, does that get you there? Whatever, like whatever it might be. I just think it's hard to trade Yusuf Nurkic. It seems hard to trade Yusuf Nurkic in a straight across trade because I don't see a team that's, that's willing, that makes natural sense for him. And the Blazers don't have like the obvious sweeteners unless a couple future second round picks starting in 2024 is the sweetener that gets it done. So you're probably talking a multi-team deal and, and this and th- that type of thing to make it happen. You're probably looking at a multi-team deal or the Blazers taking back on some some money, um, which they don't want to do because they don't want to be a tax team this year. So it, it'll be it'll be difficult. And all that said, I have a hard time finding a, an idea where you might be able to get something different at center. But the idea that you could naturally trade Nurk to upgrade him at center just doesn't seem within within reality for me. I would like to see the Blazers have a more athletic center. I think that would be better fit for the rest of the roster and what Chauncey Billups wants to do. I just don't see it happening with a Nurk trade. Perhaps a Nurk and Josh Hart trade together gets you done, gets it done. And certainly, I think here's the important part beyond my sort of opinions and thoughts about this. The Blazers are exploring that avenue. That's what they seem to also agree with, is that this team, their future iteration of this team that looks better, probably includes uh, a different flavor than what Yusuf Nurkic brings to the center position. That said, saw that game against the Raptors? They were worse. They they missed Nurk. Um, They might not have won that game when Nurk on the court. Who knows? But like... Yeah, they got killed on the glass late, late in that game. They got killed inside. Um, they were their the their lack of size was obvious, um, and whether they trade Nurk and find that upgrade or head another direction, that'll be interesting. The other part here, and I, I think this is important, is that um, Fisher mentioned that the Blazers are committed to building a playoff contender around um, around Dame this season. I hard to that means that when when they if they do trade uh, Yusuf Nurkic they do trade Josh Hart they're looking for players who can contribute now not in the future not draft picks not parts for that players who can contribute now and if you trade Yusuf Nurkic you're looking for a and Josh Hart you will need at some point in one of those exchanges a center who can play NBA minutes like at least 20 minutes a night in the NBA immediately um is it out there I don't know I don't know. Uh, I hope it is, but I don't see an obvious one just glancing around. Um, many of you have sent me fake trades that I don't like and have told you as much as e- in the email, but I love uh, I love a civil back and forth. So if you have a NERC fake trade, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com. Okay, to close the show, how about this? Jeremy Grant 
has been offered a max extension and has turned it down. Let me tell you why that is just straight up not bad news. It might not even be news regardless. But before we get there, let's talk about TurboTax. Go to TurboTax.com and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who'll do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do, well, you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. Hope not taxes sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. With TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. That's Intuit TurboTax. Full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's talk about Jeremy Grants. According to Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, the Blazers have officially and formally presented Jeremy Grant with his max contract extension offer, and he has yet to sign it. Rutrow, um, shout out to Kevin McAllister, Home Alone Scream. I don't think this is a big deal. In fact, I did a show on this when Grant was eligible, assuming that one, the Blazers would offer him the contract. And two, that he probably wouldn't sign it because he's outplayed the money. Let's talk about that. Um, I don't love I don't mean that as an I told you so. What I mean that as a go listen to the dang pod. Listen to the pod every day because I am not the most plugged in person and I do not pretend to be on here. Like I, you're not gonna see me faking the funk. I'm not gonna talk about whispers and sources unless I got whispers and sources. Like I'm not, that's not what I'm doing here. Um I uh in a past life, as maybe something I have in a current life, I don't pursue that. What I do pursue is using logic, because I follow the league very closely, to try to help you become a smarter fan. So if you listen to the show, when Jake Fisher reported this, you would feel comfort in knowing or believing, hey, I think Mike Richmond talked about this in a, in a podcast like a couple weeks back, that Jeremy Grant probably has outplayed his max contract offer, which is four years, $112 million. That seems like a, that seemed heading into this season like a bunch of money for Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's been great. Jeremy Grant's been great. He's been their second best player all season long. It was a time early in the season when he's pretty clearly their best player. Then Damian Lillard got back, got going, and has been great. And um, yeah, he's the guy. Um, but like it wasn't ever going it was going to be it was gonna be bad news if Jeremy Grant was their best basketball player all year long. Um like but it's, Grant has outplayed that. However, Jeremy Grant's max contract this summer, um, also mentioned in the previous episode, five years, $233 million. He's not getting five years and $46 million annually. That was in the story. Um, I think it scares people when they say, Jeremy Grant's turned down a max contract. Here's another max contract extension. I think what they missed in the middle, um, and they may have missed in the logic of locked on Blazers, is like, Jeremy Grant's not getting $46 million out on the market. What Jeremy Grant might be getting is a fifth year. Uh, worth debating whether the Blazers should give him a fifth year on the contract, but if he signs now as an extension in season, the max number of years you can get is four, and the max number and the max dollar amount is 112. In the summer, he can basically double that, but he can get a fifth year. So I think more importantly, the most likely scenario for Grant is that he signs for something like 
$30 million annually as opposed to 28, 32, $33 million annually as opposed to 28 million, but he also gets a fifth year. Uh, I think when he signs, we'll talk about the value of the contract. There's no reason to, um, to worry about that now. But I think that's why if you're like, oh, Grant didn't sign his max contract, he's pretty much like he Jason Quick did a story about it in The Athletic. It's like Grant has all but said he he wants and hopes to be back. And obviously there's some other factors about wants and hopes to be back. You know, he was basically personally recruited by Damon um, to come here. He's he's, you know, he's got a big role. He's scoring a whole bunch of points. He's having the best year of his career. And this team can pay him more money than other teams can with larger raises, uh, you know, larger contract more years, larger raises um, each year, which is how you get to a larger contract, uh, than, than the open market. And there just aren't teams on the open market that are going to be appealing to him in terms of winners. The team that could pay him is the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, uh, sure. Yes, they absolutely could. And I guess like there is a world where that's the most, like there's other teams that are going to have cap space, but um, they're not good. Like they're, they're bad basketball teams and they probably aren't going to cash in their cap space. Uh, I guess OKC is in the world. Will he go back to, back to Oklahoma? But like it's Memphis. That's the good basketball team that's going to have cap space this summer. That's like basically the one team that the Blazers are going to have to worry about. Are the, are, is Memphis going to cash in their sort of patience for Jeremy Grant? I don't know. Maybe he could help. He could for sure he could help. But um, there's not like there's a ton of suitors out there. So it's really just about Grant waiting till the off season, waiting till free agency begins, becoming a free agent, and then instead of a four for 112, he can sign whatever five for. <laughs> it seems like it seems like so much money, but five for 150, five for 148. That's what I'll put it at. I'm gonna say five for 148 with a player option on the fifth year, and that's what he'll and that's what he'll sign for. So Jeremy Grant not picking that up now is not a big deal. I expect him wholeheartedly to be back in in back in Portland. I just expect that not signing now allows him to sign a longer contract for more money when you hit free agency. That's what the future of the team is. They're shopping Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic, and they're going to re-sign Jeremy Grant to a fat deal in the offseason. When someone reports this obvious stuff, if you listen to Monday, January 30th show, the logic will already have found you, plus some reporting from from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate you listening. Uh, The Blazers close out a homestand against the Hawks. We will talk on Monday evening. We will talk about that game on Tuesday's show. Come back for that one. Come back for the show's rest of the week, five days a week, available wherever you got podcasts, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen every day. Tell your friends to do the same. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.